Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Off Belay podcast. I am your host, Michelle Bourget, here with the wonderful Mara Brown. Hello. Thanks for joining us. As always, please remember to subscribe to the Off Belay podcast as well as leave a review or a rating if you'd like. We'd appreciate it. Also, don't forget to check us out on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Off Belay Podcast. As always, this time we are sponsored by Hammer and Hops Brewing. Also give them a follow at Hammer and Hops Brewing on Instagram. I believe their beer right now is a blueberry sour. Hopefully you can get some. We have not. Sad day. So sad. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Awfully Podcast recognizes all females and female-identifying individuals. 70% of our listeners identify as men, and we want to talk about that other 30% today. Disclaimer, when we say lady or female, we want to be inclusive of all female and female-identifying folks. For simplicity's sake, we will be using the terms female, woman, or lady. But please know that we are considering and including everyone who considers themselves to be a part of this community. We're here to drop some knowledge on our favorite female-owned climbing businesses, experiences, favorite books, podcasts, gear, and more. If you're a guy, we encourage you to stick around. The lady climber in your life will probably appreciate it, and you just might learn something. That's right. Mara had the genius idea of sending out a survey to our lady listeners to take the pulse on how everyone was feeling in regards to representation, gear, and more. The results have been staggering, to say the least. 41 amazing lady climbers took the time to fill out our confidential survey, and we want to dive deep into the results. As the results started to pour in, I at first was super stoked that you all wanted to be a part of this experience. Then I started to get a little depressed about it. As it turns out, 55% of you have been climbing for over four years. And even though that's a great amount of experience in most cases, we're all living pretty similar experiences at the crags, not all of which is sunshine and sending. A lot of our listeners, while generally stoked to be outside and climbing, expressed some frustrations and implored for resources. We'll be breaking down this episode into the following segments. Gear, resources, taboo topics, current issues, and the future slash hopes and dreams. Additionally, we'll be jam-packing our show notes today with resources and links for everything we mention. We'll also be making a post on Instagram just for the resource list, so be on the lookout for that as well. Without further ado, we welcome you to Opoly Podcast Episode 5, The Ladies Episode. All right, let's get into our first segment, gear. Mara, take it away. Being a mostly male-dominated sport, sometimes women get the short end of the stick when it comes to gear, though we're happy to see improvements being made across the industry. According to a Climbing.com article, Lynn Hill recalls La Sportiva as being the first climbing company to make women-specific climbing shoes, though she wore a pair of Boreal Bombas on her historic and iconic first ascent of the nose. More into climbing gear history, we'd like to tip our cap to Jean Immink, who is a Dutch mountaineer born in 1853, who is said to have invented the climbing harness and was also the first female to wear climbing pants instead of a dress. The Italians call, call her La Donna Instansabile, the tireless woman, and she has two peaks named after her in the Dolomites, Cima Immink and Campanile Giovanna, otherwise known as Jean's Tower. Could you imagine climbing in a dress? No, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I would hate it. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. Me too. 
Just a reminder that the best harness is the safest one. REI writes that climbing harnesses should be retired after seven years, even if it's gotten minimal use and is still in great condition. If you're a guide or someone who climbs full-time, it could be as little as one year that you need to consider getting a new one. Always check the integrity of your gear before using it, including straps, buckles, and stitching. My harness actually just broke a strap on the back, and I didn't realize how much time had passed on it until I actually did the math out. It had been, coincidentally, seven years since I purchased that harness. On a positive side, I was able to cut off the belay loop and leg loops and now use the waist part as a gear sling. Thanks, internet. We love upcycling. That's right. If you're looking to get a new harness, we highly recommend trying it out first at the store, and here's why. Not only will it be less hassle for you than ordering and returning multiple harnesses, but if you send your new gear back, like harnesses, ropes, and more, they likely can't resell it for safety reasons. That means that your brand new rope that you sent back because you didn't love the color goes straight into the garbage in most cases. And that's just wasteful and unsustainable. Thanks to our friend Leah for this insightful information. We asked our listeners what their favorite woman-specific pieces of climbing apparel or gear are. This could be a harness, pants, bra, or whatever comes to mind. Prada makes these amazing bras, or used to make these amazing bras that I love. Sadly, they don't. What? Nothing has found, filled that hole in my heart yet. What makes them so wonderful? They don't hurt my ribs. Okay. So it's you really think... a personal problem, but they're very comfortable. Do you think most bras cut in too aggressively on the rib region? I'd say so, yeah. It's just a nice soft band. Nothing too intense. That's nice. Um, yeah, a lot of our listeners also express a ton of love for Prana. Um, Shout out to Prana. If yeah. you want to give us free things, please message us. <laughs> um, hashtag sponsored. Um, yeah, so we got a lot of responses about Prana pants specifically. Pants are a huge piece of gear that I feel like it's hard to find a good piece of gear. Like you can find comfortable leggings, but they're not going to uphold hang dogging or falling over and over again they also don't have pockets and they don't have pockets. i find pockets is crucial when you're outside pockets is crucial um for many reasons but yeah that's one of the things i get frustrated with is you get pants with pockets but then you put on a harness and all of your pockets are now compressed under the harness so if someone anyone could release a pair of you know kind of cute pants for women that have zippered pockets below the harness line i will buy them so that's pretty much how i feel about pants that's michelle's two cents yeah i also wear a pair of black diamond notion pants that i love because they're tough they have pockets and that you can layer but mm. they're also super hot for the summer that so is clutch. not nothing's perfect yeah. i guess right i climb in the uh, mountain hardware men's ap pant scrambler which i think that they don't make anymore they still make some of the ap stuff but i love it because it's got a drawstring and it has pockets on the leg they're not zipper but they're buttoned so it's kind of secure so you have some access without the phone there or without the harness there. Or I just want to get to my snacks is also a phone, but mostly snacks. Um, a lot of our listeners also said that they wear unisex apparel a lot of the time because they don't love the women's options that are available. Um, I can totally attest to this. As we talked about, men's comfort, men's clothing is usually more comfortable, functional, and not nearly as cringy. Like I feel like if you walk into Eastern Mountain Sports, you know they divide their apparel by like men's and women's. And it's like one side's like purple and pink and like, you know, mountain girl and like all that bullshit. And then the men's side is just like trees. Like, I just want trees. I, I don't need want to tell people. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need to tell people what I'm about. I just want to wear something that's like simple. A nice dark khaki, a gray, a black. Right. Even hoodies. I feel like they make women's hoodies in like pastel colors, which is cute. But 
I want olive green. It's also a lot easier to match if you're weird like me and like all your colors to match when it's more neutral tones. That's true. I feel like you and your husband are always matching. In it's the not best intentional. Way. <laughs> it just happens. It's the best. I'm not saying we could wear a completely matched outfit, but I'm also not not saying that. I know. It's okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. So one of the other pieces of gear that I wanted to talk about, a lot of our listeners had implored about was you know, you're belaying, your climber might be a lot heavier than you. Um, how do I prevent getting sucked up into the wall aggressively? I think step one is don't fall. Step one would be don't fall, I guess. But, you know, nothing's perfect. So I believe it's Edelrid makes what's called an ohm, O-H-M. And it's essentially like you have your own belay device, but it's an additional assisted braking device that I believe goes on the first clip. And pardon my ignorance if I'm getting any of this wrong because I've never actually used one, um, but I've seen it being used. I've heard it's helpful. So I'm just going to bring this to people's attention. Um, Essentially, if you have a much, you know, a big weight offset from climber to belayer and your climber falls, it provides an additional braking so that you're not like flying up to the wall. Um, and hopefully, you know, preventing you from getting injured or anything like that. Nobody so, wants a butt to the face. No one wants a butt to the face. Um, but yeah, so if you're looking for something like that, that's an option. Um, and unfortunately, the other option, I guess, would be to like anchor yourself down. Like if it's really that aggressive. Um, but if that's the case, if you're that nervous, like, I mean, maybe try to find someone who's more comfortable playing, I guess. Is that the Yeah, right I've thing? definitely thought about that when some of the guys we climb with are doing like really hard trad stuff or like I'm worried that I might get sucked up because the pieces aren't great then I'm just gonna have someone who's bigger than me belay yeah you know right if that's an option obviously if it's not an option you gotta do what you gotta do but yeah sometimes it's I think it's important to recognize when the safety is more important than ego like yes I could catch this fall but am I gonna be safe doing it no then maybe I need to take some extra steps or pass it off to somebody else for sure absolutely yeah I remember I remember going to the red a few years ago before I knew that the ohm thing existed and I saw it they must have been like eight eight mm-hmm. years old probably belaying their what I think was their father who is a much larger person and no, I was you like mean it's not a giant eight-year-old <laughs> <laughs> right um and I was just like blown away I'm like oh my god this is so dangerous and then I was like wait no they are like fully aware of what they're doing and they have the right gear and it's like totally safe so it is possible um just look into it a little bit more and like Mara said only do what you're comfortable with and if you're not then you know time to have someone else belay also shout out to that eight-year-old yeah that, it, that's I mean, impressive I don't think I would have been that skilled at anything when I was eight I mean they were in the red so they were probably just absolutely crushing um but that's anyway fair. Um, while we're talking about gear, do you just want to shout out what climbing shoes you use the most? Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. So I bought TC Pros last year because REI was having a 25% off sale and I thought, well, I'm kind of getting into crack climbing. I might want to use these eventually. And I don't think I've used another pair of shoes in the past year. I'm talking in the gym, outside, bouldering, crack climbing, slab, whatever it is, I'm always wearing TC Pros. So thank you, Tommy Caldwell, for making such a awesome shoe um but yeah those are also unisex like once again they're not a women specific shoe but i think it's super cool that they made one shoe for everybody one shoe to rule them all <laughs> that's right and it would be the tc pro if, yeah. if there were a ring of shoes um but yeah so i mean I, I it was like an unexpected romance um but with a pair of smelly shoes so yeah i climb in a la sportiva otakis are my like go-to indoor shoes and they have male and female. 
I don't know what the difference is, but I've definitely seen men wearing the female colors before. They're fantastic. Double Velcro, super comfy. You know, I don't climb super aggressive in the gym, but when I do wear them outside too, they, they do a great job. Very comfortable. Nice all-day shoe. Okay, so moving on to segment two, resources. 59% of our respondents said that they typically seek out resources from other female climbers. Today is your lucky day. We're tagging slash linking all of our resources in the show notes, as well as on our Instagram page at Podcast. I'm actually wearing a sick titty shirt from Never Not Collective, which is a female-owned company. And I'm also wearing my high-maintenance shirt from Dynamite Starfish, which is both a female-owned climbing apparel company and a climbing move. When we say resources, we're talking about books, podcasts, movies, etc. One of my favorite resources comes from Washington climber Chelsea Mern, owner of Lady Beta Coaching and the Lady Beta Podcast. Chelsea also just sent her first V10 problem and is generally incredible and helpful. I explained to Chelsea that some of our listeners are seeking more female voices, and I'll let her explain a bit better how she can help you, the lady climber. Everyone, Chelsea Mern. Hello, Off Belay podcast listeners. I'm so excited to be here with you. My name is Chelsea. I'm the owner and founder of Lady Beta. I am a certified personal trainer, brain rewiring certified coach, and business mentor. I work primarily with women on all things business growth, climbing training, and brain rewiring. I'm so excited because Michelle asked me to share a little bit about me and my work and my podcast. So my podcast is actually called the Lady Beta Podcast. We talk about all things related to climbing, business growth, spirituality, brain rewiring. There's so much good stuff in there. I think you're going to learn a ton. And if you haven't, you know, realized by now, so many of the things that we do off of the wall really impact and affect what happens on the wall. So I'm so excited to be sharing some of those things with you. And if you are interested in any of those topics, I would love to have you come join the community. Thank you so much to Chelsea Mern from Lady Beta Coaching for taking the time to um, give our listeners a little bit of what she does. We super appreciate you. We also had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Michelle Lloyd. I'm not going to try to pronounce her other last name. I'm sorry, Michelle. I don't want to mess it up. Founder and owner of The Climbing Connection. Here's our conversation with her. All right, Awfully listeners. So I am here with Michelle, who is the owner of The Climbing Connection, and we thought she would be a perfect addition to our ladies episode. So Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Cool. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if you want to introduce yourself and let everyone know um, what it is that you do. Cool. Um, yeah, my name is Michelle lloyd Dedishu, and I am the owner of The Climbing Connection which is an organization based out of Western Mass focused on increasing emotional and cultural access to climbing. Um, so I do that through education initiatives. I offer clinics or one-day outings or group trips focused on trying to provide um, skills for folks that could increase their ability to comfortably head outside and feel comfortable taking up those spaces. Um, and I also try to build into all of those clinics that I run, um, a community space where folks are able to connect and, and feel comfortable accessing the parts of them they might shut down in spaces where they maybe don't feel so comfortable. That's amazing. So as we've been discussing through this episode, a lot of the um, respondents to the survey that we sent out to our lady climbers had mentioned that they, you know, maybe didn't feel comfortable in certain situations or they were unsure how to, you know, reach out to other people. So this seems like a, a perfect space, a space, excuse me, for, you know, that kind of person. Um, so 
take me back to the beginning of Declining Connection. So what made you want to start this? What was kind of your motivation? Yeah. Um, so this this was, um, I guess, kind of a brainchild of a couple of years back. Um, my, I guess I'll start with my academic background is in social work and psychology, and I did that for many years, and I always kind of straddled the line of wanting to figure out how to um, do work that was really meaningful and provided connection, but do it in a space that I felt um, I was most impactful. And so that always felt like climbing spaces to me um, because they're absurdly cliche and provide all of the, the same things that like a, a therapy session would provide, but in a lot more fun, which I think uh, is kind of cool. So a couple years back, pre-COVID, um, I had started to build this idea of creating, um, it actually kind of started as like this um, this program that I wanted to develop that, you know, gyms and other places could kind of adopt and use, but would provide skills for their staff to build programming that would create inclusive spaces within their the space that they already had. And then it developed into, well, um, why don't I do this first and kind of see how it goes so I'd be my own pilot and then see where it heads, and I'm kind of at the point now where I'm running the clinics and, and seeing how they go. That's great. So give me a little bit more detail on what a clinic would look like, like, a, you know, any given clinic that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, so this year what I decided to do is I decided to create a couple different, like, um, focused clinics. So one of them is a Jim to Crag clinic. One of them is an anchor building and repelling clinic. One's a lead climbing clinic, one is an intro to trad clinic um, as a way for folks who um, are, they want to get outside, but maybe they're not like super sure on what they, what skills they need or what they want to do. They could kind of come onto the website or we could have a conversation and talk about what skills they have and then we could figure out one of these clinics for them. Um, and then uh, besides that, there are other ways. So if somebody comes and they're like, I know all these skills, but I'm really scared of falling. Um, then we could build a, a personalized clinic for folks that could really focus on the skill that they feel like would really um, make them feel most comfortable in outdoor spaces if that's falling or if that's um, trying to look at, you know, certain aspects of gear or whatever, whatever have you. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I think you you kind of have touched on a lot of people's fears, you know, I mean, like you said, some people may have all these skills, but there's still that big elephant in the room of, I don't want to fall, um, you know, so that's, that's absolutely amazing. Um, so tell me a bit about um, your background with climbing. So how long have you been climbing and, um, you know, a little bit of your history there? Yeah, uh, I've been climbing for, I think, 15 or 16 years. Um, I'm from California, so I, I started climbing in Southern California. Well, that's not true. I started climbing in Northern California, but my first outdoor experience was, experience was Joshua Tree. Um, and then I was pretty casual for quite a few years and got really into it um, probably after college. And then it kind of, much to my partner's dismay, became a bit of an obsession, <laughs> like where it crosses that line. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, and I, I think that's also the time where I, I started primarily as a boulder, and then I got really into, like, rope climbing, and, and then I got into trad, and then multi-pitch, and it all just fell apart to where I just I had to be rock climbing all the time. It fell apart. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so 
did you have a mentor when you were learning like trad climbing and rappelling and all that other good stuff? Oh, I've been I I have been extremely fortunate to to fall in with folks who are willing to offer their time and space to teach. Um for let's see. Yeah, I can I can pick out you know, probably like two or three along the way that have been really instrumental. Um, when I first got into rock climbing, there was um, a guy who was a really awesome boulder, and he was he was the kind of guy who would like go out to Joshua Tree and like he had his morning solo routine, so he's like out there and like doing all the the things that everybody else is struggling on. Um, <laughs> so he was really fun to go out with because he just knew everything, um, and he would talk me through it and, and kind of explain things, and he would push me in ways that uh, maybe I. I was uncomfortable with at the time, but really thankful for after. Um, and then as I got into like sport climbing, I had another friend who was a guide and he totally took a day or two and took me out and taught me how to lead climb and taught me how to fall and taught me how to build anchors and just gave me the whole rundown. And then we ended up just getting to climb together, which was incredible. So I got to learn um, kind of like parallel to him, which was lovely. Um, and then the I guess I guess all of my like the mentors that come to mind are all male bodied folks. Um and then for trad climbing I had another really dear friend who um actually he took uh, me and my best friend out to the gunks and taught us how to trad climb, which was a blast. Oh wow, you learned how to trad climb in the gunks. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. <laughs> wow, <Yes>. beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. That's great. And yeah, that was kind of not you know, I was I was wondering if your mentors would also, like you had mentioned, be male-bodied folks, and I think a lot of us have experienced that. So to see a female, you know, leading and teaching and mentoring is just wonderful. So thank you on behalf of the women who are, you know, maybe a little not tired, but you know, would like to see more females in that position. So, so thank you for what you're doing. I think it's incredible, um, and I, I hope a lot of the listeners that are hearing this will go to your website, which if you could mention what your URL is, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, com, all one word. Excellent. Okay. So if you go to The Climbing Connection, you will be greeted by a beautiful website, which I was actually on today. And Michelle has tons of resources and examples and plans for what she's doing this year. So go ahead and check it out. Um, so is there anything else that people, you know, that you'd want them to know about your business that they may not know, you know, by going on your website? Or is there anything else that you'd like to discuss about it? Mm. Um, I guess the only other thing that I would throw out is that the the premise is really to create community and family. Like that's what climbing has always been for me. Um, mm. And it took me, I think, a long time to develop really close female climbing partners and that's still something that I actively like seek out and it's it's hard to find um yeah. even though there are lots of lots of women climbing um at this point I think finding someone who you kind of fall in with and um feel really comfortable with and just you know just jive with um can always be a bit tricky so I I share that to say that the idea with the climbing connection is really to create space and to to grow into that so that folks have that resource 
Um, so if folks get on the website and they, they see things or they don't see things and they have these ideas that they would like to do a clinic for this or for that, um, I totally encourage folks to start a conversation. I would love to build things that, that the community is looking for um, so that it can be the resource and the family that, that we all want and need. Well, that is amazing, and especially, you know, in a year where we've all felt kind of distant from one another. Um, so I, I think that's wonderful. Um, okay, great. So now you know. Go to theclimbingconnection.com and meet some new friends and learn a thing or two. And, you know, it is also okay to be afraid of falling and to not know how to do certain things, and that's okay. And people like Michelle are here to help you. So thank you, Michelle. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, um, not in regard to the climbing connection, but just as to the climbing community in general, as a as a woman climber? You know, is there anything that's kind of like off the cuff? I guess <laughs> I thought it's very broad stroke. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say in regard to this episode? <laughs> Oof. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was not the best question. No, that was great. That was great. <laughs> Let me just organize. Anything else? I mean, so much, right? Like, I think it was so lovely to to get a chance to chat with you before we started recording and kind of hear about, like you had mentioned, a lot of a lot of female-bodied folks kind of feeling similarly. Um, and I I loved the comment that you made that we all we all kind of want the same thing, it seems like, based on the survey and based on your conversations with folks, and um, which is to to find each other, right? <laughs> like find our people in our community, and and not only that, but for you know for us to be in these outdoor spaces and and feel like they're our home, and we don't have to demand space or deserve space or um, explain why we are there, you know, like all the things that I think a lot of folks. Um, know and feel, and I, I guess, I guess I just share that that resonates. I get it that you know I I go out and it's it's the same for me. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the more I think, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was just wondering, do people ever assume your experience level based off the fact that you're a woman? Oh my god, totally. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, people do all the time. What else is it like um being in this community specifically? Like I know you're you're you frequent Western Mass more than most crags, is that correct? I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's it's where I'm based out of and um scheduling wise it's it's definitely most convenient. Right, that makes sense. So um so you feel do you feel comfortable in this community and, you know, I guess what are your thoughts on on what we have going on in, in Western Mass and in Massachusetts climbing in general? Mm. Um, I mean, yeah. So, like, I think quick answer is yes, I definitely feel comfortable in this community. Um, okay. I think, I, th I mean, I think as a, a, a climbing family, right, like regardless of your sex or orientation or identities that you carry, we all have you know, work to do on what we carry with us when we go into these outdoor spaces about, you know, what we assume for ourselves and what we assume for others. And um, and then on top of that, right, like what, what parts of ourselves do we shut down to exist in these spaces or what mm -hmm. parts of ourselves are we, we have to shut down so that we can exist comfortably? 
And then what does that do, um, you know, when we're out climbing in these spaces with our family and our community? And um, how does that take away or add to our experience? Um, so I think in Western Mass, I've definitely had the experience of feeling mostly comfortable in, in the spaces that that I go into, and I've, I've been very fortunate for that, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, and I, I think, right, like conversations like you're doing right now, these are these are the conversations that start to bring folks together to, to start to shift the needle about, you know, okay, what are we doing well? What what can we continue to work on? What what is what is the role of allies? What is the role of folks who are identifying as men or or carrying you know those identities? What about for folks who are identifying as non-binary or trans or women? Right, like all these identities we carry, we all have roles in in this conversation. And I think um, I'm so thankful for you guys having this conversation to to create a space where that can start to get looked at. Well, we're absolutely honored to have you on and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, um, you know, I, I appreciate your insight and I, I love having conversations like these. I mean, um, you know, it's wonderful to hear from, from people like yourself and people in general. And I just, um, I love hearing from you. So, um, and of course I just had a question in my brain that totally flew out, but, um, anyway, so essentially, yeah, I mean, like you'd mentioned, we, how can we be better, right? as allies and as friends. Um, and I'm hoping that, I'm not sure at what point in the episode this conversation is going to end up in, but I'm hoping that, you know, the 70% of our listeners that identify as men are still listening because there's a lot to be learned. And this isn't a ladies episode for ladies. This is a ladies episode about ladies for everyone, you know? So <clears throat> I'm hoping that everyone gets something out of it. And everyone can just be goddamn, like, nice to each other at the crags and, like, stop explaining things to people based off of their gender and stop, stop being a jerk. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, any, anything we can do just to be nicer to each other because life is very short and you don't want to be, um, you know, cause for someone's discomfort or feeling like they don't belong there. So, um, Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say or mention or anything like that? I don't think so. No. Well, you are wonderful, <laughs> and I appreciate your time. <laughs> I wish you guys could have heard the phone call we had before this because it was... Uh, I think you should just put it on there. It's pretty <laughs> epic. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Um, but Michelle, it has been an absolute honor to have you on, and I'm so excited to have you on again in the future in, a, in your own episode just for you. Um, but thank you for taking the time to squeeze in a conversation. You are the best. Likewise. Thank you for taking the time this evening to talk. And in case you haven't already been inspired by these two incredible women leaders in our community, our friends from the Ladies Climbing Coalition will be joining us towards the end of the episode, so stay tuned. If you're more of a research person, check out some of the books, podcasts, and movies in our show notes. All right, segment number three, taboo topics. Periods at the crag. It's just a fact of life for most of us. So how do we deal with this? We asked our listeners, and most of you just prepare for the inevitable, and that includes bringing extra tampons, a trash bag to carry out waste, drinking extra water, bringing chocolate and or painkillers to the crag, or using menstrual cups. Some of you also cut your day shorter or avoid, cl avoid climbing altogether. Mara, how do you typically deal with getting your period at the crag? 
I just don't. I got an IUD three years ago now, maybe. So I haven't had a period in a while. But if I was having a period, I'm a big fan of the menstrual cup and hoping for the best. Well, I'm fucking jealous. But anyway, um, one thing I wish that I knew 10 years ago was that menstrual cups existed. In fact, I was shocked to find out that the first menstrual cup was invented in 1937 by American actor Leona Chalmers. You know, I would have not been shocked if you said they didn't exist 10 years ago. I thought the same. I went to look it up and I was like, holy shit, we're going on a century of menstrual cups. And I've only been in the know for like a couple months. So thank you, Leona. You've changed our lives. That's right. Growing up, I was told that the only two options were tampons or pads. Which, when, by the way, when you're like 12 or 13, is terrifying. Like, you can either put a mattress between your thighs and walk around or shove something up into somewhere that you know nothing about and have a great day. <laughs> terrifying. Yes. Whew. As it turns out, menstrual cups only need to be changed every 12 hours, depending on your flow. This is much more low maintenance than tampons, which are four hours max or depending on your flow. So not only are they more convenient, but they pose a significantly lower risk of toxic shock syndrome like tampons can do. If you're a gentleman listening to this part and are unfamiliar, toxic shock syndrome can kill you. And this includes women, men, children, and postmenopausal women. It's a form of staph infection that affects one in every 100,000 women and has between a 5 and 15% mortality rate. So essentially, the problem is if you leave a tampon in for too long, you could get toxic shock and die. It's a real thing. Risk, risk factors include skin wounds, surgery, and the use of tampons and other menstrual devices. And I read somewhere that 30% of toxic shock syndrome happens to women under the age of 19. Interesting. Yes. Um, symptoms include sudden high fever, confusion, low blood pressure, vomiting or diarrhea, muscle aches, a rash resembling a sunburn, especially on your palms and soles. So very specific, I think. Very specific. Headaches and seizures. Offbele is obviously not a doctor, and we encourage you to see one for more info on toxic shock syndrome. Or check out your local Planned Parenthood. I'm sure they have plenty of information on all of these and probably other menstrual devices we don't even know about. That is a great point. Yeah, what else is there that we don't know about? Is there some I magic? Mean, like... How would we know if we don't know? Oh my God, that's a great if question. If you know <laughs> other awesome menstrual control devices, let us know. We will share with the people. Yes, because we were shown the, I mean, I at least was shown the menstrual cup, and I was like, blown away like total game changer i've been using tampons for how old am i oh my god so long 21 i'm 28 and i got my period when i was 12 but i didn't use tampons till i was 14 do the math i've been using them for a long fucking time and if i had known that like especially like hiking and you know long days at the crag or whatever that menstrual cups were an option i just wish i had known and if it is your first time it's a little weird but you'll get used to it and it's worth it yeah and you're just going to see a lot of blood. You're going to see it's a lot fine, of blood. But it's your blood, so it's not as weird. And it's not as weird. It's a little weird. Um, but, you know, you'll also get very accurate measurements of how much blood you have every week, which is cool if you're type A like myself. Um, but also the earth thanks you because you're not, now no longer putting in however many tampons or pads you use per week into the landfill. So great job there. Um, and also, I'm also personally open to questions about this. I know a lot of our listeners had responded that they wanted to know more information about menstrual cups and I'm super new to it. So I'm kind of like going through this. So if you have questions, you can always DM me at pet iguana. That's on Instagram. Um, and I'm super happy to talk about this with any of our female farmers. So 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I've been using menstrual cups before. I got the IUD for several years. So I haven't purchased one in a while, but I do have a lot of experience using them. There's a lot of really good resources, different blogs and stuff that do some very precise measurements of the menstrual cups. You know, it's obviously it's a difficult area to measure yourself, but at least it kind of gives you an idea. Like maybe you can get one that's cheap. If you don't like the fit of that, it kind of gives you a starting point. There used to be a company that would sell you like a trial packs, not the word I want, but like a size pack where it was like samples of all the different ones that they sold. So you can kind of see like, okay, this one's too fat. This one's too short and try them out and see what works best for you. Everyone's different. So just because your girlfriend's using one doesn't mean it's going to work for you. But I promise you there are a million out there. You will find one that fits your body. That's true. Mara actually was a huge help with me finding the right one. She sent me like charts and like articles and all this stuff. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, and I actually did have to end up going through a couple different brands before I found the Flex Cup, which is for beginners. It's got a little loop at the bottom. So you don't have a panic attack in the bathroom and think, oh, my God, this is floating around my body and I'll never get it out until I like die. Um, the but good anyway. news is that that is a... <laughs> enclosed area i know it cannot go any farther than but you it just went. get worried and then next thing you know you're on google like how do i get my menstrual cup out and they're like try a spoon and then other people are like don't do that don't put a spoon in your body and don't do that but you're googling it and you're thinking why not but anyway so like i said it's weird but it works so if you have questions message me um i know this is a super taboo and weird thing to talk about especially at the crag where you might not know anyone or barely anyone so um, Let's make yeah. it not taboo. If you want to come ask us about our periods, we will talk to you about it. Yeah, I might be a you know grumpy if I have it, but, <laughs> but I'll be more than happy to talk to you. Um, and also, if you bring chocolate to the crag, you have to share. That's a rule. I, I think that's a rule. That's a rule. Any other lady female climber you meet gets a piece of chocolate. That's right. M and M's are great for sharing because they're small. Ooh, and they don't melt. Well, they kind of melt. Well, no, they designed it. They encased it in candy. I think it was no, actually it, the army that did that. It, that is true, but I've lived in Arizona. They still basically All right, melt. Mara. Well, they get, they get very, <laughs> very, very fragile. Um, so a little bit of a left turn now. A lot of the women's harnesses also have a clip on the back that undoes the elastic non-weight-bearing straps, allowing you to more easily go to the bathroom or deal with your period without having to fully remove your harness, which is a pain. They're typically easier than peeing in a romper and are super convenient when you're more limited on time. This is also a great time to encourage people to prepare for a full day at the crag and keep TP a poop towel and trash bag with you. Trowel. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is also a great time to encourage people to prepare for a full day at the crag and keep TP, wag bag, trash bags, <laughs> Michelle, stop laughing, and other things with you. I remember... Some of the, the parks are now encouraging you to pack in, pack out, which means you need a wag bag to poop in. I've done it a few times. It's weird, but it's fine. Um, I know at Red Rocks, if you go to the right spot, there's a place where you can get a free one if you forget yours. If you do take a free one, you're going back. Maybe bring one back with you to donate back to the cause. Uh, and now <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about pee sticks. Some of you are on Team Pee Stick with me. Very few. Were Very on few team of you, but shout out to you. Michelle is not. So I got a pee stick like two years ago maybe for Christmas for my husband. The goal is to be able to pee standing up so you don't need to like be as private when you uh, go to the bathroom at the crag. I'm not at that point yet, but it is also nice for peeing while squatting if you're like me and you're terrified of peeing on your own shoes. It helps you get a little bit of an aim in there. Um, Michelle, would you like to talk about why you don't like a pee stick? It's weird, man. I know I just talked about menstrual cups and that's probably the weirdest thing ever, but I just can't justify sticking like an oil funnel like a small it's not an oil it's funnel. basically like a very small oil funnel 
in my hoo-ha and then you like have to squat anyway so like if my butthole is going to be out for the world to see it's not even like (laughs) you don't have to squat you just need to be better at it than i am i I, my brain doesn't believe that i can pee standing up and that's the problem i uh i just i don't know i'd rather just pop a squat and i don't know not uh not do that i don't know and then do you just rinse it and put it in a bag or something so it comes with this little like a thick like tarp like material bag and then when i get home i boil it that makes sense yeah so i i travel i have i just got a fanny pack for it actually i'm very excited my pee stick a little hand sanitizer and alcohol wipes so after i use it i wipe it down with alcohol use hand sanitizer so i'm clean and it's you know clean ish for the parts that touch you and might be Mm -hmm. dirty i also just feel like when i have to pee at the crag i'm like about to pee my pants and so I don't want anything constricting how much I have to pee. Yeah, I definitely find I try to hold it as long as I can. Right. That's another thing. One of our listeners wrote that they don't hydrate as much at the crag because they don't want to take as many pee breaks. Yeah, I feel that. Which sucks. I pee a lot at home, so I try to really, like, work it well. Although I do find sometimes, if it's not, like, super urgent, if you just go climb, it, like, makes the urge go down a little bit so you can kind of, like, extend your day. I feel like if you're climbing at Farley, it's clutch. Like you pee when you get there, you go as much as you can and climb and then pee right before you leave. And it works out great. I'm trying to think, do any of our other local crags have um, toilets or porta potties? No, but there is now a public porta potty in Irving. So if you're going over to Mormon through Irving, you could stop uh, and pee in Irving as well. Yeah, but if I'm at like Crow Hill doesn't have one, College Rock doesn't have one. No. Rumney does Rumney. Yeah, Rumney's National Forest. So they've got the ones in the parking lot. Oh, but right, they're not right, porta right. potties, oh, but yeah. they're like, oh you know, God. The, I haven't been there in so long. Yes, they definitely the do. The standard toilet. And then I don't think, uh, trying to think of our Connecticut crags. I don't think they do either for the most, I mean, at least the ones that I've been yeah, to. Yeah, the ones that I've been to don't. So you should be prepared, though, to be spending a full day outside. Yes. And you need to be hydrated. So, like, you're going to have to go to the bathroom. So, I mean, it sucks if, you know, you are hydrating less or drinking less coffee because that also makes you poop. Yes. Also, be prepared. If you haven't traveled much, I learned this the difficult way when we were trying to go ice climbing in New Hampshire. A lot of gas stations won't let you use their bathroom anymore. Oh, especially with COVID. Yeah, yeah. well, it's a COVID thing, yeah, especially yeah. like if you're going up towards Conway. Um, try to just be prepared because I had a very tense couple 10-minute drive as we hit multiple gas stations that all had no toilets available. I actually got too comfortable peeing outside for a short period of time last summer. I like pulled into the REI parking lot last year and was like i'm just gonna pee off to the side here and then i was like wait no like you're at a, an rei like a public place that's not acceptable yes just go inside yeah so that's a little bit on the other side of the spectrum um all right so let's move on to segment four which is frustrations while we try not to harp on negativity it wouldn't be a real episode on female climbers if we didn't address some of our frustrations mansplaining experience assumptions objectification offering different strong points than traditional climbers These are just a few points of annoyance that apparently we all deal with on a regular basis. So many of you echoed this thought, and we'd like to bring up our friends at Ladies Climbing Coalition who are kind enough to give us an inside look at what they offer. Take a listen for another great resource on what to do when you're being beta sprayed, because the only way we can truly expect progress is if we inform people. Everyone, Kristen of the LCC. Hey, my name's Kristen Ray, and I'm the co-founder of the Ladies Climbing Coalition a nonprofit dedicated to connecting and empowering women and non-binary folks through rock climbing. We were founded in 
2016 and became an official 5013C3 nonprofit in 2017. And part of the reason why we became what we are is that we wanted to improve access for women. We saw huge barriers to entry. I mean, one of them is opportunity, another is access, and finally there's cost. And so our work is dedicated to really breaking down those barriers for people. And so we host gym meetups throughout the country. We have more than 50 meetups inside gyms and at Crags as well throughout the country. We really focus on bringing women outside and helping them transition from gym to crag because we're so aware that the opportunity to do that is limited. And unless you know somebody um, who's already experienced, it's really hard to make that transition. And it, it can be really intimidating as well. Um, some of the other things that we focus on as an organization are providing resources to people. So we offer classes um, both in person and virtually about things like nutrition, um, anchor building, um, injury prevention and rehab, um, you know, et cetera. Um, another thing that we see that is so prevalent that we're working to combat is beta spraying, um, particularly from men in our community who very, very well may think that they're doing people and women a favor, right? Oh, let me, I see them struggling on this. Let me help them. Well, they don't necessarily want a man's help here. Part of the appeal in rock climbing is truly problem solving. And we want, as women, the opportunity to solve these problems on our own. And if we want help, we will certainly ask for it. Um, so we have just created like some designs that really address this issue, as well as some content that we're gonna be putting out on our blog. And we, in at our meetups, specifically um, tell women and try to empower women to tell people like, hey, no, I don't actually want your beta. And if I do, I'll ask for it, but thanks. And um, so we strive to make women feel comfortable being able to do that for themselves. Um, another thing that we're really all about and we've been pushing for is like confidence in ourselves and who we are in our bodies. There is so much pressure in the climbing community. And I think that a lot of that pressure is, is put on ourselves from ourselves in a way, right? There's a lot of comparison with, with social media, with Instagram. There's this constant like stream of content being thrown at us. And then we're constantly comparing ourselves to what we're seeing. And we just don't need to. The only person you need to be competing with or comparing yourself with is yourself. And this is the messaging that we really strive to get out there to women at our meetups and through our social platforms because it's the truth. 
you're climbing for you and there's no need to compare yourself to anybody and no matter what you're doing you're winning because you're loving what you're doing in the sport and you're loving yourself and that's really what matters um and so lastly um i'd just love to encourage people to check us out check out our resources um see where we're having meetups near you we would love to get you outside one of the things that um we really really love to do is take people on super super low cost climbing trips because truly climbing trips are so magical and climbing trips with exclusively women um are like incredible and have brought me personally so much joy and i've seen so much joy and gotten to experience that with other people um when you have a group of women spotting you when you are bouldering cheering you on it is like nothing i've ever experienced and so i hope to see some of you at our future meetups or trips and um, if you have any questions about anything need advice um, recommendations please don't hesitate to reach out to us that's why we're here we are all about our community thanks so much we were so moved by some of your submissions about your frustrations with climbing that we wanted to share them with the audience. Yeah, so I wish I could read each of these out loud, and I probably could because it's my podcast, but I'm not going to do that because... That would um, take another hour. It would take forever. And unfortunately, a lot of, not all of them, but a lot of these responses are really similar. Like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, a lot of us, I mean, we're from different backgrounds and different experience levels, but we're ultimately experiencing a lot of the same things at the crags um and a lot of you know the responses were not being able to pull up or muscle your way through a section um like this writer for example writes it makes me feel weak even though i just need different beta um i mean we've all been there mm -hmm. i mean i'm you know not the greatest overhang climber but i i just know it's not my forte and i'm kind of a kick-ass face climber so yep you know um i mean there's always things like if you end up really wanting to be really good at overhangs there are exercises you can do but ultimately like we need to recognize and appreciate that like our bodies are shaped a certain way and good at certain things for certain reasons and that's okay yep just blame physics that's right um so let me find another good answer here i mean they're all amazing to be honest with you and i i there's not like a, a ranking of like one, two, three best answers. Like they're all incredible. Um, this person writes, for some reason, I always hear beta spray from males, but a lot less from females. I prefer to figure a climb out on my own unless I ask for help. So like our friends at the LCC just mentioned, verbalize that. It doesn't have to be a confrontation, but maybe just say, you know, I'm trying to figure it out on my own. Um, you know, I'm sure you do the same thing or like. Let me try it a few times before you try to give me beta. Yeah. I don't feel like you have to thank them because that might feel like you're enabling them. Like, feel comfortable being firm with what you want to do. And don't apologize. I'm mostly talking to myself here. But do not apologize for not wanting beta. You are not expected to be given beta and, you know, supposed to be like, 
like Mara said, thankful, like it's unsolicited basically. So um, don't say sorry. Just, um, you know, I actually witnessed one of my guy friends one time, someone, a guy started beta spraying him and he literally shoved his fingers into his ears and said, la la la. And I thought that was great because like it gets the, the point across. Approach. It gets the point across. Like don't fucking beta spray me, bro. Um, or just see. be like me and forget anything anyone told you as soon as you get on the climb that's true helpful and harmful let's see um being shorter than men let's see there's nothing more frustrating when you're climbing with the guys and they're like oh you just reach for this and then you go i can't do that at the gym when setting is not height inclusive slash all the root setters are men i can say i think her name was bryn was it bryn I she don't was remember. she was setting at Worcester I believe that was her name and I'm so sorry if that's not correct but I remember I would do a climb and get down and be like wow like that felt really good and then I would get down and look at the tag and I believe it said Bryn and it, it was like of course like of course a woman said it and it's not to say that we don't have amazing male setters and they don't offer something great um, but it's also part of the reason that I love traveling to different gyms is because not only would their male setters offer something different, but they might have female setters. Like, and that's cool too. Always a pleasant surprise. Always a pleasant surprise. Um, feeling ignored or less than a climber because you are female. So I am amazed that I made it this far into the podcast without talking about the imposter syndrome because it is one of my favorite topics because women have imposter syndrome more than anyone. Um, and imposter syndrome is essentially feeling like you don't deserve something or that you don't belong somewhere. And that's just not the case in the climbing community. I don't care if it's your first day or if you've been climbing for 30 years. Um, everyone has a space outside. And to make someone feel like they don't belong there, like it's, I, all right, I guess it's one thing if you're like being an asshole. And like causing like concern for access and mm -hmm. safety and things like that. Like maybe that person doesn't yeah. belong You've there. You lost your right to belong. But other than that, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're doing or if even if you're just out there watching people climb, even if you're not climbing, like you're welcome. You know? So it sucks that this was vocalized as being an issue. Um, because no one should be ignored or feeling like less than a climber. I don't care if you're at the gym or outside. Um, this kind of just hits home with me personally because we deal with imposter syndrome in the workplace. We deal with it in our hobbies, and it's just not okay. Um, just because of your gender does not define um, where you belong. So I, I hope if we ever do a ladies episode again, it doesn't come up. <laughs> I know it will, but I just have hopes that it won't. Um, let me see here. Sorry, everybody. I'm just reading through. I want to make sure that I touch on some of these amazing ones. Um, I've been climbing for almost nine years and competed at the national level, but I still am often underestimated at the gym. Beta spraying, especially on my warm-ups, is something that I find extremely irritating. So, more beta spray. Yep. Um, let's see. Mansplaining. Men always looking at you like the male counterpart you are climbing with put up the root when they ask for a spray down, but you did. Belittling my knowledge, especially when I definitely have a toolbox of great skills 
male mentors slash AMGA guides have taught me. I feel like both men and women have this idea in their heads of what the perfect female climber is supposed to be. It's hard to live up to that and easy to get caught up in. It's similar to the social standards placed on women, i.e. be strong but not too strong, sexy but not too sexy, smart but not too smart. How do you feel about the idea of a perfect female climber? I think that's, you know, something that mentally you have to kind of address in your own brain. Like, there is no perfect female climber. You know, it's a body image thing. It's a competence thing. It's an ability thing that you kind of have to unpack of what that means to you. And I think it's also cool, like, especially as, you know, hopefully the Olympics happen, we get to see some new badass female climbers that maybe we haven't seen a lot before. And that's going to, you know, put some new images in your brain of like what a what a climber is. Absolutely. And I noticed that a lot of our, our uh, respondents also had mentioned that they like to follow female climbers on Instagram for inspiration. Um, you got to remember, a lot of those climbers are paid professional athletes and part of their contract is to post on social media their epic adventures and their amazing gear that they got for free and their abs and whatever and i'm sure they're all like super strong and And you can see workout videos on youtube and the stuff that they do is absolutely crazy yeah and it's just it's you can't like log on especially on like instagram or something and see all these beautiful cut climbers and think like that's what i have to look like no, like if you want to climb, you're a climber and there's no perfect, you know, version of that. I mean, it's not to say that this person's concerns of the societal standards isn't true because it is, but there's a reason for that. And if you can slowly work through like why you're seeing all these images and why you have this image in your head, maybe that will help you dismantle it. And if you don't follow female climbers on Instagram, there's a ton out there, you know, find some that that make you feel good about yourself so that when you're you know you open your feed you're seeing some badass ladies climbing some rock and some dogs maybe and cats and stuff too absolutely just, just for a good smile <laughs> okay so we'd like to share one last answer with you before we wrap up our frustrations segment um so i'm gonna just start in the middle because this person had a lot to say which i love but i'm gonna shorten it a little bit I had a male climber at the gym once start to explain to me what trad climbing was without asking about my background or anything about me. He just simply assumed that I, a woman, had no idea what trad even meant, even though I am predominantly a trad climber. I shut him down immediately and turns out I was significantly more experienced than he was. I've had men check my rappel systems and anchors to make sure I knew what I was doing, but they didn't check my male partner's setups. I knew it was gendered thing because I had heard him tell his partner just wanted to make sure she knew what she was doing, but didn't want to mansplain. Turns out I was also more experienced than that guy because he somehow later found me on Instagram, question mark. That itself is creepy already. Men flirting is a whole other can of worms. I'm also don't creep on people on Instagram that you don't actually know. That's right. I'm also continued. I'm also incredibly frustrated by frequently being the only female or B-I-P-O-C climber at the crag. I am constantly surrounded by white men and I hate it. So there's a lot of different topics in this response, but it just goes to show you that like frustrations do not just start and end with mansplaining. There are other there are other issues yes. as well. And multi-layered issues That's that right. are more complicated than just keeping your thoughts to yourself. Right. So, I mean, all of this was just like heartbreaking to read. Yeah. Like checking your repel systems, but not checking 
the other gentleman that just seems terrible um so i mean that kind of speaks for itself um i just wanted to share that with everybody because i it made me so angry um i think it's important to share the stories too so you're not just keeping all that anger locked up inside you and know that you're not the only one going through stuff like that that's right and this person had also i believe i'm trying to find it um but i believe they said that they're fueled by their anger um that may not be the same person, but I thought it was. I believe it was. Um, I feel like if yeah. that happened to me, I would be super petty and then go check their repel systems and make snide comments. That's Like, right. just loud enough that they could hear. <laughs> like, oh, I just wanted to make sure that this bro knew what he was doing. That's right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we've talked about it quite a bit this episode, but just don't assume someone's experience level. Like, someone who's leading 510, 5'11", multi-pitch trad knows a lot of shit. Like, there I is a so. lot that goes into that discipline. And you just don't know what's in someone's brain based off what their body looks like. So let's stay with that. Not to trad brag, but hopefully you know what you're doing if you're trad climbing. I just came up with that right now. I like that. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So um, as we had mentioned earlier, we also always have our DMs open. If you do have other frustrations, you can always just message us and maybe we can have you on and we can talk about it, have a conversation. All right. Any other thoughts? Anything else for the frustrations topic? Yeah, I think we covered so much of it. I don't know if there's really much more. That's true. We can add without being super depressing. I know. So that brings us to our final segment, segment five, the future slash hopes and dreams. Um, So we had asked our listeners to share a time where they felt inspired or motivated due to being a female climber. Yeah, I think for me, like, I don't know if motivated is the, uh, the right word I would use, but anytime I can like, I get through a move or like finish a climb that the the guys that I climb with struggle with. It makes me feel proud because it's like, yeah, I could do that too. Suck it, guys. There is that little like bit yeah. of pride that's like nice, yeah. <laughs> even if it's just one move, <laughs> even if it's something stupid. <laughs> but you know, you gotta. I feel like you gotta find your moments of joy, and if that's you know little things that make you feel good about yourself, like that's important because you're finding your joy outside. Well, yeah, this is a very male-dominated sport yeah. that relies a lot of the time on strength. And if there's something that we can do a little bit better, then we'll take it, you know? Yeah, and me and mine not able to do a pull-upness always feels good when I can do something. You know, I was just saying that the other day. I'm, like, getting to be, like, reasonably strong for my limits, yeah. and I still don't know if I can do a pull-up. <laughs> I can, like, I can get, like, a couple degrees of movement off the hangboard. Nice. And, you know, Hell like, yeah. So I, I think... The isometrics where it counts like can I move a little bit and hold it great that means I'm strong isometrics is also a course that our friend Chelsea Mern teaches so if you're looking to develop that further please reference our lady beta coaching resource um so for me I mean my limits are in my brain and I know that um so anytime that I can even just make another move above a clip or try a new trad route or try a new sport route or anything on the sharp end I get really motivated by that um because I know that I'm scared of everything so if mm-hmm. there's something that I can do that I'm scared of I feel like almost invincible yeah so I don't know I mean that for me is huge yeah I'm, I'm definitely the same way I think I've talked about this before like especially lead climbing I'm so much in my head that like it's not a physical issue it's a mental issue it's like I can do this but I'm terrified of like falling because well, falling I mean, is scary let's think about this so in any other like life situation when are you like scaling up a wall like your your natural instinct your brain is literally telling you if i fall i'm gonna fall backwards and i'm going to die 
Like your instincts yeah. aren't telling you, well, it's okay because I have a bolt or it's okay because I placed a really good and piece. And maybe like, I'll have like learned how to fly all of a sudden and didn't right. know Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's one thing to like go, even like going like cliff jumping or like whatever, you're jumping forward and you can like see what you're doing. Like falling off the climb is inherently scary because you can't see behind you. Yeah. And it just feels like you're going to fall to your death. And that's why I'll never go cliff jumping. And that's and that's the end of the episode. No, I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it is we have to just recognize that it is inherently scary. And like you can't shit on people for being scared of falling because yep. there's a reason for it. Um, an instinctual reason, not just like they're a scaredy cat. Yeah. Which Blame it on your lizard too. brain. That's right. <laughs> I love thinking about lizard brain. Anyway, um, so a lot of our listeners, once again, but in this in this way, a good way, um, had responded the same. So when we had asked about frustrations, a lot of it was the same, which was really sad. But for this question, it was amazing because almost every single person said, I get super motivated when I see another woman crushing it. I get super motivated when I see another woman trying something that scares them. Yeah. And so that, I think, is just ringing true to what, everything else we've talked about in this episode that we are kind of living the same experiences and I think historically women are very empathetic and so we see another person's success and we feel like it's our success too yeah you know which I think is also why women make kick-ass belayers because we care about your send <laughs> yes we do you know I'm not just here to like weight your rope and make sure you don't die like well that too, there's generally but... like an emotional like I'm here for you. Yes. You know, I'm going to do what I can to help you get to the top. Absolutely. I mean, and I've been pretty fortunate. Like I've climbed with guys a lot, like mostly Rich and my friend Chris historically. And there's been times where like I get to the top of a pitch and I'll burst into tears. Like it's happened and I'm not like insanely proud of it, but it has, it has happened. And, you know, it's one thing for like a guy to be there and be like, it's okay. But for some reason, like, being on the other end of a rope with a woman, I feel like it's okay to be scared and it's okay to be brave and it's okay to be basically whatever I want because they get it. It's not to say that like most, you know, some men don't understand or like appreciate what you're going through, but there is like this kind of like unspoken like bond. It's like the rope connects you. Oh my God. It's so metaphorical. <laughs> it's like the sisterhood of the traveling rope. <laughs> the traveling harness? Remember those movies and books? I actually never saw them. What? I haven't seen a lot of movies. Have you read the books? No. Oh, my God. It's not really my cup of tea. I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm basic. But anyway. Um, so, yeah. That was... We just wanted to share without reading every single answer that we received because, once again, they were all amazing. And it just makes me really proud to be in this community because you all do care. It's not just like, I get motivated when I send... And that's it. Like, yeah. you all said other people. Yeah. And that's cool. Basically, what we've taken from this is that when you're out there representing women and just getting on the rock and enjoying yourself, you're inspiring not only yourself, but you're empowering the women around you. When we look towards the future of women climbing in our community, we see women leading climbs and leading others. We see smaller egos and more respect for property owners, parking lots, and other climbers. We see everybody being welcomed and encouraged to be part of this amazing sport, community, and lifestyle. These are the off belay hopes and dreams, and we hope you'll help us bring this future to fruition. And that does it for episode five of the off belay podcast, our ladies episode. As I mentioned earlier, this is an episode 
about ladies for everyone. So I hope that everyone got something out of it. And thank you so much, as always, for listening. Um, thank you to Hammer and Hops Brewing for always being there for us and uh, all of our beverage needs. Thank you to Mara for editing the episode. And we actually recorded in her house today, so truly a ladies episode. Um, and thank you to our listeners, as always, for being here and to our respondents for your feedback. It was... And for Shelby. <laughs> for Shelby for always being here with Shelby us. Shelby the pup. Um, but yeah, our respondents, I, I truly wasn't expecting that kind of response. So um, thank you for taking the time. And that just about does it. And a shout out to the moms. Mother's Day was two days ago. Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are moms. That's right. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.